to those nations. How is how are how are you doing? You're struggling, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, for those of you who are curious, Kevin would like to know how you are doing. Yes. <laughs> how are how are you doing? How are you doing? That's right. Um. Well, we're we're doing freaking incredible, right? Yes. This yes. is incredible. Um. So we um we have we have we have a fire guest in just a few minutes. But before we kind of y'all are gonna like this. That's right. Before we dive in, uh, you are listening to the two dope teachers and a mic. So if you accidentally subscribe, just hang out with us for a little bit. See what you think. Uh, maybe it's okay. Uh, we are merely two public school school teachers. <laughs> um, now, now I got it. Uh, now you got it. Of Denver, from the cold city of Denver, at this moment, um, and we are here attempting to find ways to remix the conversation on race, power, and education as it affects our communities. Um, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more of us, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Kev, what's the handle? At Two Dope Teachers. See, I'm telling you, it's a pop quiz and you nailed it. I did good. Also, click that little like button on Facebook when you go to facebook.com slash Two Dope Teachers in a Mic. Man, you are two for two. You're crushing it. Now, Look the at last it. one. Last Look at the kid. Yes. If you have show ideas, gift cards, feedback, love to send, you can also email us at Two dope teachers and a mic at gmail.com. So close. Oh, at gmail.com. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I was like, that, oh man, this is going too well. Well, on the on the AP grading scale, a 67% is still probably a three or a four. So you're good to go, man. You, you get credit. You get Bob, credit. my past AP. That's right. Hey, we should design a two uh, an AP two dope club. This is getting silly. All right. So um <laughs> AP so, two dope teachers. We have sounds boring. Sounds real. Boring. Oh, speaking of which, so our our dude uh, Randall uh, posted yes. on Facebook the other day, and he's because he's always musing on social media. Yes, he posted yes. on Facebook. He's like, "Hey, so DoorDash, right? Like yes. we're doing like they're taking food everywhere. What if schools came up with a way to have like a DoorDash for homework and classwork?" And <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't tell if he was serious. I think he was kidding, but you know how Randall is. You can't tell if Randall's kidding. The and kids so wouldn't like, be calling for it. We'd be calling. We'd be like, hey, I need for you to take some homework. <laughs> so and so. I'm going to. Yes. I'm going to pay you <laughs> to do this work. <laughs> Did, didn't you take some homework? Yes. It's the same. It's the exact same homework. It's uh, Yes. We're, uh, we might do this all week. Hasn't changed much. Uh, I told him that we could uh, name it Bordash. But, uh, Bordash. <laughs> i was real proud of that one that was a good dad joke and he laughed too oh i know I, there's no other kind at this point in my life that's right so listen um if we're being a little silly it's because we are experiencing some black and brown joy right now that's uh, right because we just talked to uh, an incredible, incredible person. Kev, who did we just talk to and who are they about to hear us talk to? We talked to the amazing scholar, Dr. LeGarrette King. And and y'all, get ready, get ready. Uh, th this brother is from the, the Carter Center, K through 12. Uh, powerful. Yeah. Powerful. A professor at the University of Missouri and founder of this uh, Carter Center for black history education um just all our history teachers listen up this one's this one is straight for you like 
just just powerful good stuff good stuff and all the rest of you y'all could listen to but but our history my history people y'all are gonna love this there's a lot of great uh gems to find in this some uh ways we talk about history uh the primacy of black history and the significance of black history uh there's gonna be some core principles and we get a little curveball on our top five rappers so uh, so stick around it's gonna be good stuff so here it is our wonderful, incredible, memorable interview, episode 90. 90. With Dr. LaGarrett King. And Let's go. What's up, everybody in Two Dope Nation? We are here as promised with the eminent, incredible, impactful Dr. LaGarrett King from the University of Missouri. Dr. King, how are you this evening? I'm doing well. How about you, gentlemen? fantastic well doing that doing like amazing knowing that uh we're on this conversation with you we're so humbled uh that you decided to join us we uh were able to attend your keynote uh talk at our professional development for denver public schools and i've been teaching for 22 years and i do not remember another time that i was so hyped after a guest speaker um the you know a lot of times it gets focused on curriculum and all these other kinds of things but your talk left me honestly just ready to run through a wall (laughs) i was so motivated to try to just continue to disrupt um and to find new ways to disrupt so thank you so much for for that and kevin will tell you i don't get motivated that easily (laughs) yeah yeah we 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 were texting back and forth you know because we were at home and and i everything you were saying like we just text each other back and it was like oh we got to do this we got to do that yeah and and i just i i really love you gave me deeper perspectives on the importance of black history the complexity of it all and and why it's important for i think not only black kids to learn uh a deeper understanding of black history but for all of the united states right for this deeper context to understand uh, what this country is, the real history of it, right? These real parts of it. And then that black history did not start in this country. It goes way deeper, way longer, way richer, you know, and you just confirm things that I remember, you know, my first black history class in college and, and you study great Zimbabwe and hear the stories about when the uh, Europeans discovered it, they made up all these excuses about how it couldn't have been built by, you know, black people. It couldn't have been. And so I just thank you for your talk. And I just thank you for giving us the time tonight. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I'm, I'm, all, I'm so fired up. I got to take off my sweater. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so we, you know, on, on uh, the Two Dope Teachers in a Mic podcast, we really try to center um, the experiences and the brilliance of BIPOC educators and um, the populations that we serve. And one of the things that, um, that I think we, we really love to hear is um, just how someone like you came into education. So how was it that you chose to become an educator? Um, and we know that our black and brownness is not something that's separate from the way we maintain ourselves in our professional lives. So what is it about your background, about your upbringing that would eventually, um, you know, help you find this platform as an educator? 
You know, that's a really good question. Um, I wanted to be a history educator ever since I was in uh, a junior in high school. Uh, uh, for some reason, I've always like this notion of social studies and history has always attracted me ever since I was, uh, um, you know, in kindergarten. Right. And 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 just just had this deep um deep desire to learn, learn history. And when I was in uh, school, I, I didn't have the language, but I knew something was missing. I just, ah, oh, man, it just doesn't sound right. I mean, you know, this, this history is cool and all, and, and, and I could, you know, um, you know, tell you all the mainstream traditional ways in which we learn history and all those narratives. And I'm like, just something just, just doesn't, doesn't sit right. And, and my junior year I was in, um, you know, honors, uh, you know, American history and had a wonderful teacher, Miss, uh, Mrs. Pendergrass. And uh, she just kind of, you know, just said, yeah, you know, there's questions out there that need, that, that need to be answered, right? And she, and, and this was, oh man, this was like in the early nineties and she uh, pulled out um, James Lowen's um, Lies My Teacher Told Me. And yes. that's, that, that's the first time I, you know, saw that and I was like, oh, wow. You know, so, so I got intrigued. So when I, um, I'm from uh, Baker, Louisiana, but, um, a, a, a small bed, bedroom community north of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I attended uh, Louisiana State University, um, and I majored in secondary education to be a social studies teacher. And um, you know, I, I, I was the only you know black you know dude in those classes, black person in uh, in those methods classes, and I realized really quick, man, white educators and myself, we just see things totally different. Right. And again, I didn't have the language, but I just knew that, man, these folk right here don't give a darn about, you know, just humanity in the classroom. Yeah. Right. Yes. You know, and, 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 and it's just I just but but I didn't have the language. So so, of course, like many of our undergrads and our kids and K-12 education, you just kind of suffer alone, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, what I'm saying doubt comes up and like, is there something wrong with me? Is there some way, way, way in which I, you know, think whatever these people, and then, then once you kind of get that doubt along, because they're not, not as smart as you, they're not, you know, this and that, then, then you'd be like, oh man, I feel for the kids that these people will teach. Wow. You know, you know, yeah. like, 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 yeah. Like that talk. sets into it. Yeah. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, I just said real talk. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, and, 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 and it's like, because once you get past that, man, nothing's wrong with me. Something may be wrong with them. And then you're like, these people are going to be teachers. And then, of course, you kind of know how this works in school systems. They're going to be someone's assistant principal. They're going to be somebody's principal. And God, they're going to be somebody's superintendent someday. Right. And you know what I'm saying? You're just sitting there like this is ridiculous, right? The ways in which they they you know think a little bit, you know. And I hate to essentialize, but my experience at LSU, that's what I experienced, right? So um, so yeah, you know, so um I've always wanted to be a history teacher. And when I um you know had my first job at Willow Ridge High School in Houston, Texas, and I just knew that I wanted to um you know change the you know, uh, history narrative, right? And, and and I had a wonderful black history teacher in college, Dr. Yes. Moore, who's now the assistant or uh, associate vice president over diversity and inclusion at the University of Texas. Okay. But 
um, you know, he opened my eyes to black history and I wanted to connect those histories in the classrooms when I first started. And I first started teaching in 2000. So yeah. um, this is 21 years in education. So. Yeah. Very yeah, good. That, I, that's so, so w just the way you're kind of speaking about this um, reminds me of something you said in your talk when you talked about how the study of history really ought to be contentious. Mm -hmm. that it shouldn't be prepackaged, comfortable narratives. Um, and, and, and so it really looks like you brought that contentiousness into your program because you had a very clear sense of something was off, even though, you know, you couldn't name it. And when you said that you didn't have the language to talk about it, like that resonates really deeply with me as a former history major, um, except I, I didn't come with the same self-confidence that you came with. And that, that's, um, that's such a powerful thing to hear that you were living that contentiousness even when you didn't have a language for it. Yeah, yeah, and 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 history is psychologically violent. But for for right. um, some reason, like we have situated this violence that that's one sided, right? So white people are not held historically accountable for you know their understandings of what history is, and everyone else just suffers. And if you speak up about it, then there's something wrong with you. You're un-American. You're not patriotic. You're this. You're that. Right. And you're just sitting there like my live for my lived experiences are just totally different. Yeah, absolutely. I, I had a very, a very similar Twitter conversation with somebody that reminds me exactly of what you're saying today. <laughs> That's why you got to stay up off Twitter, brother. Uh, <laughs> Somebody, somebody's got to be on Twitter. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, listen to you. Listen to you. Listen to you. So, but, so doc, Dr. King, uh, just, just thinking about, you know, your experiences in education, uh, you know, what made you decide to pursue that PhD, you know, and, and continue that, you know, because, you know, the, the trajectory takes you through more and more of it, you know, and I know, like, with a PhD, you've got to defend your scholarship, and we all know what happens to, you know, Black scholars when they are forced to defend their scholarship, yeah. you know, yeah. they love to really critique Black scholarship, right, okay. all of a sudden, uh, but uh, so what what made you decide to get a Ph.D.? So, you know, um, I was on the traditional track in education. Right. You know, yes. uh, black male who was, um, you know, respected for his discipline. And all right. OK, so now, you know, teacher of the year um, in 2006. And I was just on this project, you know, to become assistant principal, discipline assistant principal at, 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 at that. My mentor was a yes. discipline Yes, yes. That's just how we, you know, do it. And, and, you know, of course, I was excited about that at the time, because that, that is what you're supposed to do, right? Yeah. You rise yeah. the ranks, right? You, you know, you come a teacher, assistant principal, hopefully a principal, and then maybe central office or whatever the case may be. So, so I, 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 I did drink that Kool-Aid, you know, I was yeah. wearing my little tight fitted suits and you know, walking <laughs> around and, you know, talking all proper, hey, what are you doing, you know, yep, yep, yep. all that stuff there, you know what I'm saying, prepping to, you know, become, you know, um, you know yeah, 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 yep, yep. That, that's what I was doing, right, and, but, but after I, um, you know, kind of did my um, internship, my administrative internship, and I, you know, like one day I just stood in the hallway telling kids to go to, go to class. So like after school, I asked my mentor, I was like, okay, so I'm ready to do administration. He was like, well, that's it. That's the job. I'm like, what, huh? 
I, I'm just, I'm like, this is the job. I mean, can I do something else? I was like, I don't like this. Yeah. Um, so I left that particular school and I ended up working at Booker T. Washington High School in the city of Atlanta. Yes. And if anyone knows anything about Booker T. Washington High School, that's the alma mater of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Yes. Um, so, you know, for me, so that school is, is in a historic area in the city of Atlanta across the street from uh, the AU Center and, um, you know, a collection of historically black colleges and universities, Morehouse, Spelman, uh, Clark Atlanta, and uh, Morris Brown. Morris Brown, um, yes. And it was also the hub of the civil rights movement. Like you'll go down the street, a few blocks, you'll have this little cafe called the Busy Bee Cafe. Yes. And that used to be the hub of the civil rights movement. And even when I was there in the early 2000s, you could be eating macaroni and cheese in one booth and a few booths away, you'll be eating macaroni and cheese and John Lewis is eating macaroni and cheese right there. Right? So you're just <laughs> yeah. like, wow, this is crazy, right? But I was so excited to be at that school because I think any history teacher, right, would yes. be excited to be at the alma mater, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., yes. one of the greatest Americans to ever walk this planet. But the kids are very apathetic mm-hmm. towards their history. Yep. And I'm thinking, man, if y'all are apathetic, and of course, like the area was totally different, I think, from the 1960s, yes. right? Yes. Um, you know, you know, it, low SES area, there was some drug houses around the place, but the city of Atlanta was gentrifying right yes. yep. um so you know you know uh you know uh, uh condos there nice little grocery stores coming up popping up but the kids are very apathetic about that history and i'm like man if these kids here are apathetic about being at a school where one of the greatest americans ever lived then how are other kids kind of perceiving this notion of, you know, um, black history, right? So then that's when I, you know, applied at the University of Texas. And as they say, uh, the rest is history, um, you know, and for me, for me in terms of um, like being dedicated towards the PhD, my whole thing was I stopped working. I had a new wife, right? And, you know, and, you know, I, 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 I like to joke to say, you know, black women don't want to go back. Right? They want to move forward. Right? So, so, you know what I'm saying? Just think about, you know, you're making a decent, you know, middle-class lifestyle yep, yep. Uh, in the city of Atlanta, the yes. black Mecca. And yes. then you say, hey, I want to go full-time to get my PhD. So your salary is cut in half and, you know, you're moving across the country to go to school full-time. So that alone was... Um, you know, the, uh, the push, you know, for me to just finish and be focused and make those four years, short four years, um, which seemed like a long time, but, you know, those four years, you know, to really focus on, you know, answering this simple but complex question, what is Black history, right? Yes. And, 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 and how do we improve Black history education? And that's like one of the simplest research um research questions out there but yet it's very complex yes yes no doubt. uh i don't know if you knew kevin uh is from atlanta and um oh wow okay. this yeah. is always there's always something that comes up um and i want to just give kevin a little bit of space to uh, uh to, to just say that you know great greatness <laughs> I don't know, Dr. K, if you're from Atlanta, but greatness always comes through Atlanta at some point, you know, like if, if, if it is, it is the black Mecca, you know, it's the New York of the South. Some would argue today is better than New York. I, I'm, I'm, 
I, it's not for me to say, but you know, I love, I love the A, you know, and it's where I was born at Crawford Lung Hospital. So, oh, you know, yeah. right in the center of the city. Mm-hmm. Well, I spent my uh, formative adult years in, in the city of Atlanta. And what's interesting about Atlanta is, is if you know nothing about the United States and you just entered um, and visited Atlanta yes. or live in Atlanta, you would think that Black people were in better situations uh, than they were in the totality of the country, right? Yes. Because Atlanta, for some reason, brings out that excellence um, you know, with, with black people. So like, um, I remember being at my first, um, job fair at, 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 at Stone Mountain High School in DeKalb County. Yes. And I remember being behind, um, these two new, uh, new white teachers, right? Yeah. Uh, two white women. And they were like, just talking and I overheard their conversation and they were like, oh my God, look at the houses over here. And this is a black community, you know? Yes. And while that was racist, you know, as whatever, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, it, it just kind of kind of helps you kind of understand kind of Atlanta in a nutshell, right? It's one of those things where, yes, this is a black community, a black middle-class community. These homes are, you know, 25, 3,000 uh, 3, square feet and people, black families live in these homes. Yes. Um, and, you know, very rarely across the country do you see, you know, kind of a, you know, you know, an expansive notion of black middle classness. Yeah. 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 Oh, it, yeah. And uh, I'm, I over the last four years um, that we've been doing this podcast, I, I have come to a deeper understanding of why Kevin shouts it out with so much pride. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, w- I was there for like 36 hours on a layover and got to wander around a little bit. I absorbed really great energy. I didn't get much out of the experience. So the more we see these connections with the ATL, the more I feel like I need to um, explore that a little bit. So uh, we're going to, I want to transition to like just some of these, these incredible points that not only that you made in our, in our professional development the other day, but that, that represent a good amount of the work that you're doing in your, in your scholarship. Um, so when he spoke with us, like our minds were absolutely blown. Like, and there's, there was a handful of us uh, black and brown educators who were just on a message thread, just like texting each other. You hear that? You hear what he said? That's, yeah, exactly. that's, that's I didn't know, I don't have those words to say it, but that's how I'm going to say it from now on. Like, and so there was this, this real um, black and brown joy um, that, that we got from just kind of seeing this. And of course, what, what was really, what I found kind of humorous was, that, you know, a, a, a significant part of what you discussed in, in this notion of Black historical consciousness is that it's not, it, there's not a unit that you can buy. There's not a curriculum that's going to develop Black historical consciousness. And you go into this incredible, like, you know, sort of suggestion that it actually requires a shift in the way we, we process history. Um, and then immediately people are like, so, like, where can I find some resources? <laughs> We're not listening to any of this talk. The man they just said easy. it's not about They want it easy. They want it easy. <laughs> where can I buy it? Where Where can I buy this where black I, historical well, conscience you speak about? Is it uh, is, is it on Teacher Pay Teachers? <laughs> Dr. King, are you on Teachers Pay Teachers? Um, so, so it, that was something that was really interesting to me, and I I would love to hear you talk a little bit 
about more about this unique framework for understanding that is black historical consciousness, because that spoke to me. And I think that's going to speak a lot to our listeners. Yeah. So several different things, right. It's, it's, it's first, we have to uh, kind of understand like what history is, right. I don't think people really understand and know or can define what history is. We say these nice little phrases, right? We study history so we don't repeat ourselves. Black history is American history, but and 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 all that stuff sounds, you know, fine and you know, you know, it sounds really good and looks good on a t-shirt. But if we're really gonna examine and teach history, we actually need to know what history is. So I kind of argue, right? Like history is about this notion of identity and history is about this notion of humanity, right? So history is the first time that we learn about ourselves, right? And it's the first time we learn about people who are othered from us, right? Also history is about humanity. History is supposed to teach us about how, who is human, right? And how we treat those people who mainly, right? Um, are, you know, you know, you know, so, so it, 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 it derives from those particular perspectives, right? Is this notion of history is about identity. And, and, and I think that's extremely important because that helps us understand and frame how we are supposed to teach histories, right? Yeah. So number two, history teachers need to really understand kind of this notion that there's no such thing as history, right? With a Y, but there's histories with a IES, right? Yeah. And when we do the why, what we do is we default back to the Eurocentric ways in which we understand history because we feel that there's one historical narrative and that's just not true, right? Um, so focusing on the IES histories, right? There's, there's multiple perspectives in history. And when we think about history in black history, Black history is, 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 is history from Black perspectives, and that means something. In many respects, when we don't know, the, 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 know what history is, we simply believe that Black people are just white people with darker hues, yes. right? And, 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 and this goes, goes, goes for every racialized and gendered, you know, and sexualized group within our country. Yeah. We just experience life and our history is different and it's so difficult to like preach that and understand that because we have been fed this notion that we're all the same and we shouldn't celebrate our diversities you know and that those things are somehow divisive it just as you talk about the um the the notion of teaching the history of black people as like the history of white people just with black skin um Mm -hmm. same sort of method it makes me think of um of the the crazy horse and custer book that Stephen mm-hmm. Ambrose wrote where i i got about 30 pages into it and when it became clear to me that he was just reframing lakota history as a lakota version of white history with all the same institutions and mm-hmm. all the same hierarchies and all the mm-hmm. same ways of governing and understanding yeah. and engaging that that's when it that's when it lost me i was kind of like but this <laughs> this isn't on this isn't on the terms of crazy horse or indigenous historians and that kind of thing. And so, um, so that's a powerful uh, statement. Um, and, and so, so listeners, this is one thing you can do tomorrow. If you're a history teacher, go in there and say, like, I will, I don't teach AP world history. I teach AP world histories because yeah. there are, yes. because there isn't one agreed upon narrative and, and that's boring anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and then it also makes a connection to, 
the uh, Tamim Ansari's book uh, that he wrote, Destinies Disrupted, which is an Islamic history of the world. That was maybe one of the first times that I saw that this isn't just an agreed upon world history through the perspective of Muslim scholars. It's yeah. actually an alternate understanding of history. And so is that kind of how you're framing um, that black historical understanding is? It's, an, it's a different interpretation and perspective on what histories can be. Yeah, um, it, it is a different interpretation and different perspectives of the ways in which we kind of see life, right? And our experiences within life. So I argue that in our history curriculum in schools, we teach about black history, but we don't teach through black history, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we can um, 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 take out the word history and, and, and say people. We teach about black people, but we don't teach through black people. Yeah. And that's extremely important for us to really understand. And part of that is, that um, and 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 this is something I tried to get through too is that um, you know white teachers and other teachers say well black history is so hard to teach right yes, yes. and like sometimes they would say because of all the racism and all the yes, oppression yes, and yes. all that and I was like okay I'll 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 take that as a secondary understanding but I think it's very hard for you to teach black history because you have to reevaluate your existence, your historical yes. existence, yes. right? Because for so long, we teach white people as the center of history. That's right. Right, but when we teach through black perspectives, you're not that historically important. That's right. You know what I'm saying? So, so if you're always trying to infuse yourself in the, in the history curriculum, I know it's gonna be hard because it doesn't make sense because you're not supposed to be in this narrative, not in the ways in which you're trying to impute yourself. In the yes. Narrative. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you're not part of this narrative. It's not, and you're it's trying not to make true. yourself a part of this narrative. That's right. Wow. Yes. Wow, that, yes. That was, so based on what you just said, Dr. King, I have a question. Hmm? Uh, if, if, if you could sum up in, in just a few words, what would you say black people have meant to America? What what is the like what what has America received like from the black perspective? You know, because I think I have some perspectives. I think, you know, the 1619 project has presented some different ideas, but I'd love to hear you talk about, you know, what 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 do black people mean to America? And and you know, I think oftentimes we think of, you know, uh the the um, financial aspects and what we pull, because I think, you know, we're a capitalist country and that's, that's where value comes from. But I think, uh, I would wonder what, what you think the maybe deeper value or, or what we mean to this country, Black folks. For me, uh, Black people and other racialized um, people in this country, um, they have been the solutions to democracy. You know, and, and the reason why I say that is because we have some uh, lofty words. Yes. In our founding documents. Yep. And for black people and other racialized people within this country, we have attempted to hold these um, lofty values accountable. Right. Yep. Um, and in many ways, our history, our history treats us like a problem. Yep. But in many respects, we are the solution because we're the ones that are saying, hey, we're just holding you accountable. This is what you say in your mission statement. Yeah. 
I mean, the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence is just a mission statement. You all work for Denver Public Schools. Y'all have a mission statement. Y'all go through the mission statement. Are we really doing kids service? Let's go to our mission statement to make sure that we're connecting to the mission statement. And that's all these founding documents are. So in many ways, for me, Black people, you know, through Black history, right, we are trying to provide some solutions. We for what you claim that you would like to be in terms of, you know, this democratic nation. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Isn't that's what, because that's, that's, um, that's also been, that was written by Luther Standing Barrett in another, in another kind of context where he talked about how the Indian is the consciousness of, of American democracy. And, mm -hmm. you know, Paul Ortiz in his book, um, an African-American and Latinx history of the United States talks about the central role of emancipatory internationalism as like, th this is actually the glue that holds democracy together, not a bunch of dead white guys. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so speaking of dead white guys, what, what is your take, Dr. King, on, on tearing down statues? Oh, Te like, the, 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 the phenomenon of tearing down these this statues, podcast gonna get uh, uh, tearing down history, going back and, and, and what do they call it? The rewriting history, right. destroying history. What are your thoughts about that stuff? And actually, right, let's, uh, let's we're going to take a quick break because this is a great place to uh, pause. <laughs> when we come back with Dr. LeGarrett King, he's going to tell us how he feels about tearing down statues. Stay with us. As a student, how many black teachers did you Your answer is true or less, you are not alone. We know that black teachers are under attack, and with all the conversation happening about black teacher recruitment, shouldn't we be talking about retention too? So where are all of our black teachers? I'm so glad you asked. In the new monthly podcast series from Tudo Productions, the exit interview coming in late January, Asia Lyons, hey y'all, and me, Kevin Adams, talk with former black educators who've been pushed out of the classroom. We want to know their stories. Who or what made them leave? How was their family affected by the push out? And most importantly, what are they doing now that they've left the classroom? If you'd like to be on the exit interview, reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Dope Teachers or email us at twodopeteachers at gmail.com. What's up, Nation? We are back uh, with Dr. LeGarrett King. And just before the break, uh, Kev asked a question about how Dr. King feels about the removal of statues um, in various parts of the country, the rewriting of history, because we know that history is just one thing. And, uh, <laughs> right? But they're, they're not just tearing them down. They're not just tearing them down in our country, right? They've been tearing them no, down everywhere. And I saw an article that said, uh, it was talking about France, I believe. And they said, oh, if uh, the Black Lives Matter movement mentality comes to France, it could tear our country apart. 
I mean, God if will. If we start to write, rewrite the history of France, because, you know, they've been over there saying, oh, we, 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 we're good, we're good. You're like, uh, you, you need to look back. Yeah. And considering it was the children of African immigrants who won them a World Cup not too long ago. So let's, right. let's, let's like, yeah. Oh, France. Oh, France, we love you so much. All right, Dr. Uh, well, King. These statues. <laughs> All right, so two things, right? So two things. If, if we're talking about Confederate statues, they lost. Right. You know, you know, I mean, no, it's, it's, I, I don't know, you know, any place that puts up losers, right, uh, as, 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 there's a point at which we think this, right? Like, right, right. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, so even for, you know, you know, people that are getting, you know, you know, upset because we're joking on it, but, you know, even think of this, right? These people tried to overthrow your government, right? They tried to yes. leave your government. Yes. And yet you want to celebrate them. I mean, uh, is it heritage? It was only five years, right? Yeah. I mean, how much heritage can, can you <laughs> connect with that? You know, so that's number one, right? Yes. Number two, even when we talk about our founding fathers or whether it's Confederacy, right? This notion of history, right? Yes. So, um, you know, I'm assuming many people that, that will listen to this are religious people, right? Yes. And I think, you know, for uh, those who are Christian, I think they would say that um, the devil is very important in Christian history. Yes. Right? You know what I'm saying? You can't, you know, teach about Christian history without teaching about the devil. Yeah. Now, but if you went to church and if your church began to start putting up um, statues of the devil yes. over your church. Yeah. Yes. The majority of the people will go to their pastor or go to their leadership and say, what are we trying to say? At our church. Yes. Why are yes. we representing the devil in the church? The same thing applies throughout mm. the Americas. Yes. What are we saying about our country when we put up racist slaves, slave owners, and um, you know, defectors and you know, people who tried to create tyranny? What are we saying in our government? And then another thing, when they say, well, you all should, you know, get over slavery. We can't get over slavery because there's a reminder of slavery every time we turn around. That's right. Whether it's a street name, whether it's a statue, whether, so I'm not going to forget slavery because y'all are not forgetting slavery. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, so those are the different things that I kind of think about, you know, statues, tear them down, keep them up, whatever the case would be. But just know, my thing is just know what message you're sending. Mm. There, there's a message to why, um, you're putting these signs up and you don't care. Just don't call it whatever you're trying to call it. You know, at the end of the day, these were slave owners. Yes. These were racists. Yes. These were, um, you know, people who did um, destruction to democracy. Right. So, you know, I question that. Like, I mean, what are you really trying to, to say? Slavery, right? They went to war to protect the enslavement of human beings. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. So th those are my thoughts on that. Yes. What do you think, Kev? What do you think? That, that, that. Well, well, it also makes me think, you know, and, and when you talk about histories, right, the interpretation of January 6th, right, and how everybody in this country saw it. So, like, I, I think, you know, as a Black person, there was some stuff that I was, I was like, how... Have they really y'all let them do this right you know i think i think there are a lot of people you know and I, I i'm sorry i know some people are like well we don't want them to shoot them i was saying shoot them shoot them they, they would be shooting us i mean it's right right but, but 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 i think it it confirms a lot of what you say dr king when 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 they are carrying the confederate flag mm -hmm. when they are trying to disrupt black votes 
yeah. uh, in a way that we haven't seen uh, since, you know, I think so openly since like they ended reconstruction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's the fear, right? That, 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 that's the fear of truly understanding history. Mm -hmm. Right, because when people complain about the 1619 project, because remember stuff, I told you all, it's not black history that they're fighting; it's the type of black history that yes, fighting, right? yes, because they're projecting, because they understand that if they were treated the way in which black and brown people have been treated in this country, they would have burnt this place down, and they've burnt the place down That's more right. than black and brown people have. There's history right. that shows That's right. white folk have burnt this place down on several different occasions. So, you know what I'm saying, it's, it's, it's this notion of projecting, and they don't want that, right? It's the same thing in, in, in which I argue that in, you know, during the civil rights units, right, teachers all over this country began you begin to juxtapose this notion of nonviolence versus versus violence. Yes, right? yes. And you know, oh, this black, is my favorite take. This was my favorite take. <laughs> when black, when black and other you know racialized individuals fighting for civil rights, there's this emphasis that you know, hey, the only way that you can achieve true equality is through nonviolent uh, <laughs> protests, right? Mm -hmm. And then you're sitting there thinking, and and this is something as a young man that I'm thinking, and we just left the you know the American Revolution chapter, and you're thinking, this is the United States of America. Our country was born off of violence. Yeah. Yes. Every war that we fight is based on freedom. Right. So violence is an appropriate response yep. for civil, civil rights, because as Tamika Mallory said, we learn it by watching you. That's right. So if it's one of those things where, okay, y'all achieve y'all y'all achieve freedom through violence, then that's the way that freedom should be handled. Now, of course, history teachers, myself, we're not advocating for violence, yes. but we're saying don't teach that nonviolence is the only appropriate approach for freedom. Violence right. is because violence is used every single day in the name of freedom, particularly in the U.S. military um, system. Absolutely. And, and just as you said a couple of days ago, like like I, I put it in big capital letters, um, historically speaking, violence has been the answer. Yeah, violence has been the answer. If, if that's not an opinionated statement, that's not a statement that tries to move people in one way or the other. But historically speaking, when we've seen true systemic revolutionary change, it has been it has happened violently um the other quote that you said that i loved the other day well you know maybe the american colonists should have just marched instead of throwing that tea away <laughs> no, yeah 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 that was great that was great and that was I, great i just pictured him i pictured him <laughs> you know marching with sides you know instead we teach it as this great moment right this great and i was like they they were destroying. They were destroying property. That was, that was somebody else's private property that That's they were right. destroying. <laughs> That's amazing. And they were um, you're fighting through economic means. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. You know what I'm saying. So, so if we are truly to use history mm -hmm. as a way to help us understand the present, yes, those who have been oppressed <laughs> should look at the American Revolution as an example of what we should do. Yeah. Because ultimately they won their award and so so it's it's difficult to do that within a high school setting sure. yeah yeah right or middle school setting yeah yeah because sometimes once these 
these words leave your mouth, you don't own them anymore. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So the kids own it. So now they're like this. But it's like we're not saying violence is the answer. We're saying that violence has been the answer. So when we're teaching, if we're going to be historically accurate, right, then we need to teach those particular things because we have history on the side and we celebrate that. Yeah, that's right. We that's celebrate right. it. Bombs bursting in air. In air. Right? It's the song. Really it's the song. You know? Yeah. yeah and you know what I'm saying? And 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 yeah. and, and, and uh, um, I don't know what's going down there in the mountain, uh, the mountain time zone, but uh, you know, people popping firecrackers all night long. Oh, yeah. So oh. we, you know, we celebrate it. Yeah. We yeah, that's that's true. They go uh, around here, they go the from about the beginning of June yep. till about the middle of August. <laughs> All the time. And and, it, and it's funny because it's agnostic to racial background. Like the white, people, <laughs> the white people in my neighborhood be getting all the illegal fireworks and shooting them off in all the dried up fields. And I'm like, if this uh, was if this was in the neighborhood I grew up in, we would be, as my grandmother said, up under the jail. Like, don't 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 go and you light them off there. They, they'll get you. No, they, they will call on you real quick over there. No, but, you know, Dr. King, that's the thing that I think I've been that really spoke to me on Tuesday because there is this institutional expectation mm -hmm. that we sanitize and make this stuff like we give it a happy ending or we give it like a, a hot take, like, Oh, those who don't learn their history are doomed to repeat it. You know, those kinds of things. And, and like as a history teacher, who's, who's also trying to teach this AP history class, like you feel kind of pigeonholed into these um, into these very clean kind of narratives. And yeah, I think what you just said really speaks to the power of having a contentious experience in your history class where a kid can ask you, well, Munoz, are, are you saying that violence is okay? I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying that I would do it. I'm not saying that you should do it. I'm just saying that historically speaking, we can't deny that people made this choice. So let's try to get into the minds and get into the hearts of the people who thought, who felt so moved by a cause that they were ready to kill and die for. I mean, our, our greatest generation is our World War II generation that, that went overseas and killed a whole lot of people, right? And so, you know, th that piece really, really speaks to me. Um, this is so powerful. Um, so we um, we just have a couple of questions left, and we, we really appreciate this this time. I don't know how I'm going to sleep tonight, um, <laughs> but uh, so I, I want to turn some attention into some of the work that you're doing um, to really um, push these ideas and really get history to be taught in what I think Kevin and I would argue is an authentic, engaging, exciting, and living way. So um, the establishment of the Carter Center for K through 12 Black History Education, talk a little bit about that work and, and what is happening there. And um, and also if you're hiring, I think Kevin and I would uh, consider. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, so, but um, yeah. No, uh, so, so um, yeah, so the Carter Center uh, started in 2018, um, but it's been a brainchild of mine since 2012. And one of the reasons why I wanted to start the Carter Center for K-12 Black History Education is because um, we have never had a uh, Black history organization, Black history education organization, yes. strictly focused on K-12 education yes. and professional development of teachers. Now, what is interesting is that we've been trying to improve like black educators and black historians have been trying to improve black history education ever since the 1800s, right? 
Um, and for some strange reason, right, we have, we have made very minimal progress in doing that. So like curating a professional development and research center uh, focus on improving Black history education and K-12 education, I think is extremely important for our teachers to really explore. And we focus on Black education. We're not focusing on anti-racism. We're not focusing on multicultural education. We're not, we're focusing strictly on Black history, right? And while, you know, Black history is a subset of those particular, um, you know, approaches, I think is extremely important because um, of anti-Black racism, the power of, you know, um, history to us understanding. You know, Carter G. Woodson in 1929 mentioned that, you know, studying history and teaching history is probably way more, um, you know, important because of all the miseducation that, that we received in the past. And what, what, it, what, what that does is continue to handicap us, right? And one of the ways in which it handicaps us is that um, because of the ways in which we teach Black history, yes, we have to remember that history is more about the present than it's about the past. Mm -hmm. So in many ways, the way in which we see history is the way in which we see people in their present um, circumstances. And if we're ever going to be a, a truly democratic and equitable nation, we need to get our history under control, right? And so for the Carter Center, that is our approach. So, you know, for me, and 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 I didn't really get into the principles. Would you all like, like me to get into the principles? Yes. yes. Yeah, so so for me, I wanted to, because, you know, you're educators, right? You know, we love frameworks, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> as, as you all kind of mentioned earlier, it's like, okay, yeah, that's all fine. Where, where can I get this information? That's right. right? <laughs> yes. Let me get this curriculum, right? <laughs> so uh, I didn't want to do standards standards yes right? yeah uh, particularly content standards yeah and one of the reasons why i didn't want to do uh standards is because standards are so polarizing mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and if if you talk to some some historians right they mean well but we get into this content trap yes. where it's like oh we gotta teach this we have to teach that yes yeah and 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 it becomes a little overwhelming yep. for mm -hmm. teachers because they're like i gotta fit all this content right yes and in many ways, it's not about content, it's about ideology, right? Mm -hmm. So um, in, 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 in my studies, in reading about Black educators and reading about uh, Black historians and reading textbooks written by educate, like teachers, principals, yes. yeah. and historians, I devised like a, um, it, um, I think I taught you all six, but it's gonna be eight eventually, yes. uh, principles that all Black history programs should have. Yep. Right. And by Black History Program, I'm talking about from kindergarten to 12th grade, students should be able to learn, learn about these various different themes through various different um, content approaches. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, instructional approaches. Right. Yes. Well, I take this from the legacy of Black educators and historians. So principle one is this notion of you can't teach Black history without teaching about systemic power, oppression, and racism, right? right. Those who try to exclude that, you, you know, your Black history program is already null and void, right? Um, because of the influence, right, of systemic and institutions to the Black lived realities, right? Where yes. we stay, you know, our education, our health, all those particular things have been influenced by this notion of systemic power, oppression, and racism. And I think that's where the 1619 Project was trying to take us, yes. right? Yes. People, you know- that, that, From the very beginning. Know, 
yeah, yeah. People come to, well, 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 this is not right. This is not right. I'm just like red herring, right? Yes. Look at what they are saying. Yes. Right. They're saying these issues that we have now have continued since the beginning of the founding of this country. That is their approach. In my mind, that is what they were trying to say. But, you know, you know, again, I'm not going to get on a tangent. Right. (laughs) Um, So. So, yes. So that's that's principle one. Principle two is if we only focus on oppression, what we kind of do is create this this victim narrative. And to be clear, Black people have never been victims. Yes. They have been victimized. Yeah. Yes. But they've never been solely victims, right? Mm. Black people have fought, right, against systems of oppression. So you have to teach about agency, perseverance, and resistance, right? Um, and then the ways in which we understand agency is different, right? We have agency that attempts to tear down the system, Yep. Right. And then we have what we would call everyday acts of resistance. That's right. And all that is, is how do I live better within the system? Mm-hmm. You will find more aspects of agency of trying to live better within the system than you have of tearing down the system because you know tearing down the system, there's severe repercussions for tearing down the system. Yeah, right. And we have to respect both forms of agency. I get a little frustrated with with younger folk. Right. When they're, oh, yeah, man, yeah. you got to burn this stuff down. Gotta yeah, burn yeah. This stuff. Well, first of all, everybody can't burn everything down. That's right. That's <laughs> right. right. You know, now now in a perfect world would would that, you know, would we like. But those implications to that. And I think that's kind of connects to our notion of the violence aspect. Yeah. Are you willing to die? Are you willing to, do you have the infrastructure mm-hmm. to tear down the current system? That's right. You know what I'm saying? Do we know how to grow food? Right. Do we have militias? Mm-hmm. Do we have, you know what I'm saying? Like That's all right. that yeah. goes yeah. into tearing down a system. Yeah. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and again, you tearing know, again. And then what? Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, I was just tearing down the system and then what? <laughs> yeah, yes. Wait. How do you how do you bridge the gap? Yeah. So not everybody like like so when we teach about freedom struggles, I think sometimes we judge historical people very harshly. Like, yes. oh, this person didn't do this, right? Yes. This person didn't do that, right? Um, but everybody can't be the t- turn down, burn down the system person, right? You know, a lot of people are hard on Booker T. Washington. Yes. Right? yes. And while I don't agree with everything that he said but we have yeah. to look at context the early 20th That's century right. and he did make sense in many different ways yeah. right yeah you know and and and, and you know say so you have to have a book of tea right and and you, you know and, and it makes sense and we could argue that if people listen a little bit more it, economically it could have been a little bit better yes right? yes you know you know i don't i don't i don't want you know people to tweet me with yes you know, yes, yes. And stuff don't add it <laughs> Don't add him, people. Don't add him. <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be that hard on that brother and call him Clarence Thomas. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Like, no. I'm just not. Yeah. 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 I mean, because because he did a lot. So, you know, it's, it's, it's about this. And, and, and half our HBCUs wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the ideology of Booker T. Washington. That's right. 
You know what I'm saying? Now, we can talk about the type of education that was, you know, you know, manual education and training and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? We should critique, but, you know, let's mm-hmm. not. But we needed a Booker T. Washington. Yeah. Yes. All right. So principle three is this notion of you can't teach Black history without teaching about Africa, the African diaspora, and the various different geographies and migrations that yes. Black people have made throughout the country. Right? Yes. Blackness is um, very complex when we talk about it globally, right? It really um, is. Yeah, yeah, because Black means something different in different places. In the Caribbean, Black means something different than it does in the UK. It mm-hmm. does in several different African countries. So it's extremely important for us to kind of really understand how Blackness is, 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 is derived in these various different places. And then plus, that helps us understand as well, and, and that, that principle helps us understand that slavery does not define black history that's right, right. That's there's right. thousands and thousands of years of black history before enslavement right uh greg carr uh howard university professor i think i heard him one one time say if if black history was 24 hours slavery is one second out of that 24 hours right you know what i'm saying so that's right so, you know what I'm saying? for us to kind of kind of um you know put that in context so teaching about the diaspora i think is extremely you know important in our black history programs yes. um Principle four is this notion of black joy and black love. Yes. Now, the way in which our black history curriculum is situated is that we situate black history as black people is always oppressed and black people always fighting for liberation. That's right. Where's the humanity in that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? So then it's like it's 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 so when we ask teachers to teach us black history, they go straight to the oppression That's or they right. go straight for the liberation. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 we have to be very careful, you know, with the way in which we kind of present the oppression versus liberation aspect. And how do we teach about humanity? And sometimes black people were just people. That's right. That's they right. <laughs> they weren't fighting, you know, they weren't. And 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 it's OK. Everyday people, again, everyday acts of agency, everyday right. people. You know, hey, I don't mind teaching us, you know, about black culinary arts. I don't mind teaching about, you know, the legacy of dance. I don't yes. mind us t- t- teaching about sports or teaching about just the family relationship, right? Yes. You know, for blackness, because they were just being human. Now, the complexity of that is you have to find a way to teach about joy without trivializing oppression. That's right. You know what I'm That's saying? That's right. That's right. I, and, and, and I think teachers need to really be be understand that you can experience joy while you're mm-hmm. in depression. Yeah. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, you know, all of us have had bad days and bad air time periods in our life, but we found joy during those times. That's right. Of pain and oppression, right? So that's extremely important. Yeah. Principle uh, five is this notion about black identities and intersectionality, right? Mm. And what I mean by that is um, we are guilty in constructing our Black history like we construct our traditional historical narratives. We yes. focus on men. That's right. You know, not only do we focus on Black men, we focus on Black men who are heterosexual, who are uh, Christian, who yep. are middle class, and who are able-bodied, right? That's so right. Our, our, our narratives are very narrative as we... Uh, our narratives are very narrow as it pertains to the ways in which we understand blackness as as a whole. So we need to infuse right black women's history. We need to infuse black LGBT communities. We need to yes. infuse, so we can understand blackness as global because 
while we have histories as as a larger macro, we still have histories within black history. Yes, yes. You know yes. what I'm saying? And if and, and and if we don't teach about that, we would teach these particular people as, oh, all right, this is a perfect, you know, black male, heterosexual, you have to be like this particular person to make history. And you know, that's just not proper. Yeah. Right? Yes. Principle six is Principle six is this notion of black historical con uh, contentious. Now, now, this is the most uh, controversial out of the 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 original six, right? Yes. This is saying two things. Number one, black people are not monoliths, uh, monoliths, right? Black people have had different ideologies, right? Mm -hmm. about freedom struggles about social aspects, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, right? That's right. And number two, what gets people is sometimes we overcompensate because there's a lack of black history that we make black history perfect and pristine. Yes. Right? Black people have never been perfect. And they have never <laughs> been perfect right? Black history has some troublesome and some problematic aspects to it. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, and, and it's extremely important for us to figure, um, um, point those out because what we're trying to do is we're not trying to make history to make you feel good. We're trying to make a history to help us understand about your, your, your humanity. Right? That's right. That's when right. You make people too perfect. What happens is we um, dehumanize them because, you know, we're not necessarily presenting the true aspects of black history. Some of our most uh, favorite civil rights activists were, you know, sexist and homophobic, right? And those particular things need to kind of, um, you know, you know, for an hour. And then also, you know, so Africans recolonized Africa. Um, uh, uh, black people from the United States and Canada recolonized Africa. And to this day, Sierra Leone and Liberia still have problems based on that recolonization, right? So it's extremely important for us to understand that. And I'm developing two more, but, but, but I know I talked a whole bunch here. Oh, that's uh, and it's it's like those six principles. As you go through each one of them, I'm just like, yes, like because I think that's where we get to it. It's like, how do you really cover the whole experience? You know, the everything about it. And 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 the older I get, you know, the more and more in life, the more you study history, the more you experience life, the more what you say about the black experience is confirmed. And if you don't understand these aspects, you get confused, right? You, you, as a, as a black man, I, I've been confused about certain things. And then like, I start to really think about the way the, the system has developed, right? Overall. And I'm saying it, it's doing exactly what it's intended to do every time, you know? And so when I see, and this is why I go back to January 6th, you know, the other part is, of course, they weren't shooting them. Of course, they weren't shooting them. Uh, they were doing they were doing exactly what they they expected them to do. They said someone's got to rise up and protect it because, you know, they were like, we're losing. We are losing. It, it's slipping away. We can't even. And I think, you know, when you think that it was Atlanta, when Atlanta fell, when 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 uh, Reverend Warnock, and uh, and and what's um, um, the other boy's name? <laughs> uh, um, you know the other the, uh, John Awesome. When they won, they they were like, "Wait, we could we could not win in the presidential. We couldn't suppress the vote there. We couldn't suppress the vote in this election." They they were outraged. It it was what they had to do. And so, like when you understand all of these aspects, mm -hmm. you start to see. 
what's happened, right? Because so so it's it's it's, it's it, it it's like even that example, right? And teachers, and I don't know how many teachers kind of pinpointed this. It's like it's not that you know black folk don't vote. It's the suppression. That's right. There's no way that places like South Carolina. That's right. Georgia. That's right. And Mississippi mm-hmm. don't have a larger black turnout, right? Because those states are populated by a good percentage of black people, particularly Mississippi. That's right. You know what I'm That's saying? Right. And Mississippi has a very interesting history, right? Yes. But those particular three states, and you know, it, it brings out issues of black rurality. Mm-hmm. Because for some strange reason, we say rural folk or white folk. Yep. Nah, no, you, know, you go, you travel through those states, you see exactly who the rural people are. Right, right. So I mean, you know, it just it's 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 just real interesting. Yeah. It is fascinating. You know what occurs to me as you know, I've I've been trying over my two plus decades of of teaching to to sort of in a clandestine way, uh, teach ethnic studies. It's like, okay, so you're not going to have these classes. Um, oh, the class doesn't have a curriculum. I have a curriculum. No worries, you know, and kind of sneak it in there. Um, but the thing I always run up against is that the time that's allotted is um, is insufficient. So it's almost as though the Black History Unit or Black History Month is is really not sufficient to capture. Um, what we need to do um, in order to reframe the way we're telling these histories. Like, it, it's almost like, you know, what we do in our classes is is not actually going to be enough and actually potentially harmful without a- actually having a dedicated space. Um, so I, I think that that's really where, where this work seems to be going. It just can't be contained in a, in a, in a, uh, in a six week unit. You know? It can't, no, it cannot, it cannot be. Well, uh, Dr. Legarrett King, we've really, really, really appreciated the time you've taken with us this evening. We do, we did save probably, you know, you're a fan of uh, contentious history. Um, Yes. And, um, you know, we're about to put that historic contentiousness a little bit to the test. Mm -hmm. Um, We have, we've saved our most contentious question for the (laughs) Yes, um, very, very contentious. The most, con- this is so contentious. And uh, we, we understand, you know, um, if we have to live in the uncertainty uh, with this. <laughs> Kevin, you want to ask the last question? Here, here we go. And, here we and go. so we always contextualize this co- uh, question as a, uh, you know, we try to live by egalitarian values. We, we, we don't want to necessarily put a hierarchy on things, but, but sometimes you got to. Uh, but but you can do this however you want, right? But well, we are going to ask you about your top favorite rappers or MCs or artists. It can be a collective. It could be one artist. You can you can have ties. You can have multiple. You could have multiple yeah, number ones. You could have three number fives. You can <laughs> so you know there, we are not big on rules and regulations, but we 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 have to ask. And- Top five rappers, dead or alive, your top five. Doesn't have to be a perfect top five. Um, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, does it could be what you're listening to right now. It yeah. could be like all time, what you were about when you were younger, wherever, wherever your mind takes you. 
All right, so I'm I'm gonna chicken out with the top five MCs. Yes, um, uh, because uh, that's a serious conversation. That People, is a serious. I appreciate you know, that. And <laughs> uh, you know, folk will you know approach you. You know, yes, yeah, uh, they will. Uh, they will. You put this number one, but I am gonna play it in terms of performing artists. Yes. All right. Yes. So, so and 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 uh, plus, I'm not a really big hip hop head. Yes. I, mean, I like rap. So yes. I, you know, and being from Louisiana, I'm like a no limit soldier. Oh, okay. And I I would get like kidnapped and thrown <laughs> into a car. Right. Master P or Silk the Shocker. So I'm not even gonna put myself in that situation. Yes, no, we all understand. Right. We appreciate that. <laughs> but and then you know what I'm saying you all are probably lose. Oh, man, yeah. yeah. But, but my performing artists, artists, okay. Yes. Right. And 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 I'm an R and B guy. So. Right. Um, I gotta have some Mary, like Mary J. Blige. That's it. Now, oh, I gotta have sad Mary. Yes. I yes. can't have happy Mary. No. So, you know, <laughs> I gotta have Mary. I was your secretary. You yeah. Know? I gotta have that Mary. <laughs> yes. You know, like. <laughs> Wait, is your whole top five Mary J. Blige? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. no, no, no. no. <laughs> Although, you know what I'm saying? You, you know, um, Kim. Yes. yes. So Kim. Kim yes. is. Smooth. Kim, I have you going 35 miles per hour on the interstate. That's uh, right. You know, you know, real smooth. Maxwell. Yes. Uh, gotta have some Maxwell. All right. Uh, Fantasia. Oh. oh, all right. All right. I'm yes. Fantasia, my girl, man. Fantasia, Fantasia can sing. sing. She, she can sing. Oh, she man. Sang. Oh, she can man. sing, man. She, she, and then country too. You know. Yes, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know, country. I know how y'all knew all this brothers get down with that country music. I know how y'all be about that country music. And um, last, of course, man, like boys to men, man. I mean, oh, oh. Know, boys to men, classic uh, 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 R and B group there. So yeah, yeah. Sorry, I punked out on the. Uh, oh no. All histories, all histories are contentious, right? So <laughs> yeah. You're causing us to interrogate our notions of, of what a top five in uh in music is. And that's so, right. That's uh, we, right. We, we we approve. That's a two dope seal of approval. That is, that, that is. I, I I might put me on some boys to men. Uh, uh, my Friday <laughs> might start early. Oh man, I saw I was <laughs> I was bumping boys to men for my uh, 16 year old and yes. Um, and she's just kind of like, Dad. I mean, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> and I was like, Oh yeah, we were in, we were in seventh grade trying to like sing like them. And oh, absolutely. <laughs> Look, I uh, I copied a, a, a whole song and 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 um, made it my words in a letter to, uh, <laughs> to a girlfriend while I was in high school. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I feel like we all may have been guilty of that at some point. Ah, Back when you couldn't Google lyrics. That's right. You had, you, I, I got, I got the tape. I got the interior <laughs> lyrics on the tape. Let me get in I there. This song was on bended knee and she was like, these are the most beautiful words. <laughs> got it. Oh, you, you wonder if there was ever a moment where she was like, wait, hold on. <laughs> wait. Wait, she heard that song. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, Dr. King, this this has been so much fun. Um, what, what? How can people find your work? Uh, how can people follow you and support you? What What can they do? Yeah, so uh, join the Carter Center's uh, 
Facebook page. Uh, we also have uh, Instagram, I believe it's Teaching Black History uh, 2018. And then my Twitter is at Dr. LeGarrett King. All right. Yes. We follow Dr. LeGarrett King. It is a great follow. We've yes. been following you for a little bit. Um, and uh, and I was like, wait a minute. I, I think I follow this guy on Twitter. <laughs> so went up there. But we, we are really uh, grateful for this conversation we've had this evening, Kev. Yes, yes. Our listeners, I'm sure, are, are loving it. Uh, so just thank you. Thank you. And, and just for the greater perspective, and uh, I'm, I'm going to be hitting up that PD. I'm going to have to hit up that PD. Like, I was like, wait, credit for this type of stuff? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> why, why? Like, you know, like Gerardo said, we, we get a lot of PD. Um, and some of it is high quality. And some of it, it's less high quality. Yours was, was you know, that, that, that good, good, as they say. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Absolutely. You know, um, you know. You know, you know, and I do the work, you know, for uh, teachers that feel they don't have a voice yes. and uh, for our community. So it really um, it really warms my heart that, um, you know, the teachers were were talking, you know, through text messages and, yes. and all that stuff like that, because I do it for you all. Um, and like, oh, like one real quick one, um, one um, PD I did was this this large audience and actually I, I remember this dude pulling out a newspaper and started reading after I started talking yes after I finished right this is at a hotel room uh hotel yeah and I was getting something to eat from you know the uh the wait staff and they hooked me up and they were just like man what you were saying they were like yo yeah. Thank man. you. Thank you. And I'm like, wow. And 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 that there, this is what I'm supposed to do. Even when That's you right. feel that the audience that you're mm-hmm. speaking to, mm-hmm. but you have a different audience that you're speaking That's to. That's right. That's it right. Makes sense. Oh, and, 100%. You know what I'm saying? And, and 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 when they did and showed me love like that, just like you all are showing me love. And whenever I teach everywhere, you're showing me love. Not that I don't appreciate people saying, you know, things, but but it's just extra when yes. uh, the teachers of color are saying thank you for, uh-huh. for um, you know, um, saying what I'm thinking, you know. No, it, it, it was definitely that. Um, well, excellent. So we got a little way we like to take the show home. Um, I ramble a little bit, um, as most people are accustomed to. And then all together, we try to stay a, say a stay dope together. Would you join us in a stay dope after I ramble? Yes, sir. All right, here we go. So for uh, the incredible Dr. LeGarrett King, for my co-host, Mr. Kevin Adams, I'm Gerardo Munoz. We are wishing you um, just to continue to stay interrogating, stay questioning, stay disruptive, stay contentious, and beyond anything else, we want you to always stay Stay dope. dope.